You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. And isn't it true that when God blesses us, we tend to get very comfortable in the blessing, we become very content, we start to take it for granted, and we start to become distant from the Lord, even disobedient to the Lord. And the Lord's like, oh man, I'm going to have to get your attention again. So He chastises those whom He loves. And that's how we know that we're His children. If we were to be honest, it's much easier to look down upon the sins of others than it is to acknowledge our own. Perhaps one of the more common ways we do this is with none other than Israel. In today's message, Pastor J.D. reflects on the contrast between Israel's sin and our own, and how God faithfully chastises those whom He loves. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 79 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Psalm 79 tonight. We're going to pick it up where we left off last week. We tried to get to uh, Psalm 80, but we only made it through one psalm, the second longest psalm in the book of Psalms, Psalm 78. Uh, What a blessing that was. So we're going to pick it up in Psalm 79, and uh, Lord willing, we'll make it through to Psalm 82. I didn't want to start on Psalm 83, and uh, for what I think might be deemed obvious reasons. It's a very well-known psalm. Uh, Some believe it is a prophecy concerning the Middle East yet to be fulfilled. Others believe it is not a prophecy, rather a prayer. And uh, others believe everything in between. So I want to take the needed time before we uh, tackle Psalm 83. Lord willing, next week we will. And we might spend uh, some time on it. All right, let's jump in. Psalm 79 is another psalm of Asaph, as all of these are. Uh, By the way, Psalm 83 is also a psalm of Asaph. Verse 1, O God, the nations have come into your inheritance. Your holy temple they have defiled. They have laid Jerusalem in heaps. The dead bodies of your servants they have given as food for the birds of the heavens. The flesh of your saints to the beasts of the earth. Their blood, very graphic in its detail, their blood they have shed like water all around Jerusalem. And there was no one to bury them. We have become, verse 4, a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and derision to those who are around us. How long, Lord, will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? Pour out your wrath on the nations that do not know you and on the kingdoms that do not call on your name, for they have devoured Jacob and laid waste 
his dwelling place. Oh, verse 8, do not remember former iniquities against us. Let your tender mercies come speedily to meet us, for we have been brought very low. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name, and deliver us, and provide atonement for our sins, for your name's sake. Why should the nations say, verse 10, where is their God? Let there be known among the nations in our sight the avenging of the blood of your servants which has been shed. Let the groaning of the prisoner come before you according to the greatness of your power. Preserve those who are appointed to die and return, verse 12, to our neighbors sevenfold into their bosom their reproach with which they have reproached you, O Lord. So we, your people and sheep of your pasture, will give you thanks forever. We will show forth your praise to all generations. Well, right out of the chute, we have an interesting psalm. It's a psalm that to this day the Jews recite and pray at the Western Wall in Jerusalem. For those of you who have been to Jerusalem with us, you have been to the Western Wall where you see the Jews there praying. Well, when you see them kind of rocking back and forth, these are recitations. And this particular psalm is a psalm that they recite, and rightfully so, because Psalm 79 was penned by Asaph concerning the Babylonian destruction of Jerusalem in the year 586 B.C. It's been called the Wailing Wall. It's where the Jews just wail and weep and pray and cry, and it echoes the cry of Asaph here in Psalm 79. Lord, how long? How long will will your anger burn against us? Lord, will you rise up and do something about those who have brought reproach upon your name, speaking of your enemies. Interesting that he would couch it in those terms. This is against you, O Lord. This reproach is against you by those who do not call upon your name. O Lord, rise up and do something. Psalm 79 is like Psalm 78 before it in many ways because it's about God chastising His people, disciplining His people because of their willful disobedience in hopes of bringing them to repentance, that they would return to Him. Like we were talking about last week in Psalm 79, it's this cyclical pattern of sorts, where the Israelites would turn away from the Lord. God would bless them and prosper them. They would then turn away from Him, and then God would bring some enemy against them. He would use their enemies to capture them as a way of discipline. And then they would wake up and realize that this is God dealing with us as His people. And then they would repent, 
And then God would restore them. And then God would bless them. And then God would prosper them. And then in so doing, they would forget the Lord their God and follow after other gods and become disobedient as they had. And then it's right back over again. As one said, it's deja vu all over again. It's cyclical. And one of the things that God has really ministered to me is, and I didn't always used to see it this way, but I always used to kind of come down pretty hard on the Israelites. Like, I would never do that. And it's one of those things where the Holy Spirit is like, oh yes you would. (laughs) And isn't it true that when God blesses us, we tend to get very comfortable in the blessing, we become very content, we start to take it for granted, and we start to become distant from the Lord, even disobedient to the Lord. And the Lord's like, oh man, I'm going to have to get your attention again. So he chastises those whom he loves. And that's how we know that we're his children. That's the only way we know we're his children. Uh, We don't discipline somebody else's kids. Could you imagine? You're in a restaurant and there's this table next to you and the kids are unruly and throwing food at each other and running all around the restaurant and the parents aren't doing anything about it. And so you've had it, and you get up. That that kid needs a good spanking. You go over and you spank somebody else's kid. There, there's still going to be food thrown. It just won't be by the kids. <laughs> that that is not okay. How, how do you know that someone belongs to the parent as the child? Oh, they discipline them, and that's what God is saying that. You're the children of Israel. You're my people. And I love you so much that I have to discipline you. And so he had to discipline the Israelites in order to get them to repent. Psalm 80. This is to the chief musician set to testimony of Asaph, a psalm or a song. Verse 1. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, You who lead Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Stir up your strength and come and save us. Restore us, O God. Cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. O Lord, God of hosts, how long, here it is again, Will you be angry, different this time, notice this. How long will you be angry against the prayer of your people? What? (laughs) God was angry at their prayers? Well, it seems that the prayers of God's people in this state of rebellion was an abomination to him, and he had shut his ears to their cry because of it. Verse 5, you have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in great measure. You have made us a strife to our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. 
Restore us, verse 7, O God of hosts. Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations and planted it. You prepared room for it and caused it to take deep root, and it filled the land. The hills were covered with its shadow, and the mighty cedars with its bows. She, verse 11, sent out her bows to the sea and her branches to the river. Why have you broken down her hedges, so that all who pass by the way pluck her fruit? The boar out of the woods uproots it, and the wild beast of the field devours it. Return, we beseech you, verse 14, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see and visit this vine and the vineyard which your right hand has planted and the branch that you made strong for yourself. It is burned with fire. It is cut down. They perish at the rebuke of your countenance. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of man whom you made strong for yourself, Then, verse 18, this is interesting, we will not turn back from you. Can I say famous last words? Have you ever prayed? Just, well, I'll I'll put it on me, okay? How many times when I've been in a situation that was just so grievous and even, (laughs) I brought it on myself, and I'll pray something to this effect. Lord, if you will get me out of this, I will. I'll let you fill in the blank. Come on, come on, let's be honest, right? Oh Lord, please deliver me. If you'll get me out of this mess that I've got myself into, I will, I will do this. What is this? Let's make a deal with God? What is this, deal or no deal with Howie Mandel or what? What is it? Come on, God, I, have I got a deal for you? <laughs> if you, then I. If you will do this, then I. Thankfully, <laughs> God has a sense of humor. And I'm sure he laughs. I know God laughs. I know God smiles. I think it probably brings a sanctified smile to the face of God. <laughs> Because he knows us better than we know ourselves. Here, the prayer of Asaph in the psalm is, if you will do this, then we will not turn back from you. If you will do this, Lord, I promise I will never do that again. Or I promise I will start doing that and I will keep doing that. Aren't you glad God doesn't hold you to that? Aren't you glad that God is a gracious and merciful and forgiving God? I think it's interesting that Asaph, to his credit, would say that, Lord, you need to do this for your sake, not my sake. 
Do this for your namesake. Do this because of who you are, not because of who I am. Certainly I am not worthy of you doing this, but this is worthy of your name, your nature. So he says, verse 18, then we will not turn back from you. And then you can almost hear the cry of his heart when he says, revive us and we will call upon your name. Restore us, verse 19, O Lord God of hosts, cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. Well, again, Psalm 80 is an interesting psalm, really a prayer, but it's interesting because it really has to do with self-inflicted suffering. And by that I mean we bring unnecessarily the suffering upon ourselves because of our disobedience. We tie the hands of God's blessing on our lives with the ropes of our own disobedience, and in so doing we bring upon ourselves needless suffering, self-inflicted suffering. So what had happened here is, again, the Israelites had sinned greatly against the Lord. They had turned from the Lord, and Asaph is pleading with God to have mercy on them, to forgive them. Very interesting to restore them and to revive them. And notice how at the end of the psalm he says, if you will restore us, revive us, we will call upon your name and we will be saved. It is believed, and I believe this with all of my heart, that this actually speaks in a prophetic way to the whole house of Israel getting saved at the end of the seven-year tribulation when they are restored. And it has to take place vis-a-vis the unthinkable, unspeakable suffering that will take place during the seven-year tribulation. Romans chapter 11, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome, verses 26 and 27, says, And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written, The Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Jacob is the name for Israel. For And here's why not because they deserve it, not for their sake, not for their namesake. No, no. It's because this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. I was thinking about when we were in Israel and was so honored to have Samuel Smaja of Sarel Media interview Amira and I about this uh, covenant with Israel. And what's interesting is, and for those of you who were with us many years ago now when we were in the book of Genesis, and when God made the covenant with Abraham, he put him into a deep sleep so he couldn't sign the deal. 
This is when he made a covenant. In other words, Abraham didn't make a covenant with God. God made a covenant with Abraham. See, if Abraham had made a covenant with God, he would have broken that, and God's not going to be party to Abraham breaking a covenant he knows that man can never keep. So it, this is, by the way, where we get our expression, cut a deal. This is how they would cut covenant. They would take animals, and they would cut them into pieces, and they would spread them out, all the blood, all the, again, very graphic, and both parties entering into this covenant would walk through the cut animals, and they would make a covenant, cut covenant, and say, if I break this covenant, may what we did to these animals be done to us. You might say they didn't have a lot of lawyers back in that day dealing with corporate covenants. (laughs) That's quite a deterrent. Uh, You don't really have any kind of a lawsuit, because if you break the covenant, (laughs) that's it. You're going to keep the covenant. So when God comes down, He puts Abraham in this deep sleep, and He cuts covenant with Abraham. Abraham does not cut covenant with him. So now he has a covenant, he can't break it. That's why he's going to restore them. That's why at the end of the seven-year tribulation, the whole house of Israel will be saved. And he says, this is when I will take away their sins. This has, I think, its reference to the uh, feast of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, where on one day of the year the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, and he would make atonement for the sins of Israel. Here's what's really interesting. If the high priest had unconfessed sin in his life, not if he, he didn't have to be sinless, just if he had unconfessed sin, he would be struck dead because he was entering into the Holy of Holies where the Shekinah glory of God dwelt, where the Ark of the Covenant was. And so he would enter in on the Day of Atonement once a year and make atonement for the sins of Israel. Here's what they would do. If he had unconfessed sin and he entered the Holy of Holies and God struck him dead, they had a bell tied to a rope on the on his feet. So if that bell stopped ringing, that means God killed him, so they would take the rope and pull him back out. I'm not joking. <laughs> That's what they would do with the high priest on the Day of Atonement. I really believe that this is speaking to that final day when the sins are taken away, and that is the fulfillment of Yom Kippur for the whole house of Israel. There's a lot to learn from the book of Psalms, and we're so glad you've joined us to sift through it all with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. The range of emotions expressed in the pages we've been studying give us an accurate and beautiful picture of our Heavenly Father, the almighty and loving Creator of the world. Before we end our time with you today, we'd like to share how you can access more of these messages right now. 
Simply visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on Listen to search through our archive of Pastor J.D.'s teachings. You can even take these messages with you on the go with our mobile app. Find a link to our app on our website or search for In Spirit and Truth in your app store. This will provide you with hours of insight into the Bible, helpful links, and access to the latest editions of Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. These messages are new each weekend and will help you put world events into an eternal perspective. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are also available to watch on our YouTube channel, which you can access through our website. Again, that address is InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen to God's Word today. We pray it's blessed and encouraged you greatly. Pastor J.D. will continue studying through the book of Psalms when you join us next time, right here on In Spirit and Truth.